Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. The text for this morning comes from the Gospel reading, as well as the Old Testament, with the application of the epistle to be included as well. Be seated. seems completely absurd, even ridiculous. They have been reached out to repeatedly. They had been given all of the knowledge necessary. They had been given all of the instruction. They had been given all of the teachers and experience that can be compiled. They were set up for success. Not for failure. They were set up to triumph and continue on. And yet they failed. And I'm not speaking about the chief priests and the Pharisees. I'm speaking first and foremost about Adam and Eve. Because God had set them up in that garden, in that vineyard, God had reached out to them repeatedly. He had instructed Adam to instruct himself and ultimately Eve. They had been set up for success. They had a relationship with the vineyard owner, the garden owner, and they were to take care of it. But just like the chief priests and the Pharisees, And as was prayed for in the collect this morning for forgiveness, they refused God's love. It's interesting. When you compare the chief priests and Pharisees who were not the average run-of-the-mill pagan, they were not the Joe off the street who was completely ignorant of Christianity. They had all of the promises been given to them. They had more Scripture memorized than you or me. They had it all. They were set up for success by God with the temple, with all of the ritual that was set in place to point them to Christ. And yet they still refused the love of God in Christ Jesus. His name was, or is, Bill, and I knew Bill from my second year at college. He and I were roommates together, and whenever you've been a roommate with anybody, you get to know everybody and anybody in that room quite well because of no privacy. Bill grew up in a pastor's home, so he had been set up for success in many ways, far more than I. Bill had been brought up in the church regularly far more than I. Bill, like I, had been given the gift of the Lutheran Church and its teaching from Scripture from the same college at St. John's. And we had joined the church and heeded God's call to become pastors. Bill and I marched off to the seminary, not literally together, but at the same time. 
And everything went along wonderfully. We had great conversations. We had him over for dinner to our house, and we even had him present. And he was the sponsor of my daughter at her, her baptism at Concordia Chapel at Fort Wayne campus. He came back from his vicarage year a little different. I'm not sure what it was. Still don't to this day. But Bill, nevertheless, because Bill was Bill, he would always kind of fly by the seat of his pants and never finish things until the last possible moment. And so the one thing he left for the last possible moment was his master's thesis in order to graduate from the seminary. But he was going to get that done that summer after we graduated. So his graduation was kind of put off on hold. And he would finish it that summer. Well, later that fall, I get a letter from him from Amsterdam, Holland. And this letter that was sent to me disavowed Christianity. His lifestyle disavowed what he had been given. He was living with some gal. They weren't married. And he had completely disavowed the faith that he had been given. A lot like the chief priests and the Pharisees. A lot like Adam and Eve. A lot like the people of Israel in the Old Testament reading who were given this and set up for success and still refused God's love. Now, our first response in wrestling with this is to think what could have been done differently. Look at what God did with these servants in the vineyard. Look at what he did to them in the Old Testament. He continued to send them his love in forms of prophets, preachers, who proclaimed to them in love what God has done and that they should repent and that they should return to the vineyard owner that they may be made whole and bear fruit. But they didn't. Now, you would think God, in his infinite wisdom, would step back away from this situation and see and scratch his head and think, I have to come at these people from a different angle or through a different avenue in order to reach them. Therefore, I won't go about it in the same fashion or manner. And instead, rather than following that course of action, he did the same thing again. Sent more prophets to them. Just like he did in the Old Testament, did he do so now in the New? And sent more preachers to them, more proclaimers. And we get fixated and fascinated with these them about whom we speak. The them who refuse the love of God and walk away. The build of the world I will use as my illustration. Scratching our head thinking, what could we have done differently with Bill? And then back off and say, well, Bill even had more opportunities than I was afforded. Why is Bill not a part of this church than I am? But we don't tend to ask that question. We tend to think the problem is in us. We're the problem. But we're the problem in that we've got to change how we've been present God to the Bills of the world. It's funny, but the creator of heaven and earth and of all of your and my bodies and souls did not choose a different method or means, but used the same. Scratch our head as we might, we cannot understand. And that's okay why God chose to use such a 
manner or method to proclaim himself to his people. But as we prayed for forgiveness at the very beginning of this service in the collect, forgive us for refusing your love. As if we think, I want to be loved now, but I don't want to be loved this point. Rather than, Lord, why did you save me of all people? Adam and Eve were not cast aside. But yet others who were descendants of Adam and Eve refused God's love and went to hell. There was a remnant of Israel that God saved, and yet there was others that were not and went to hell. There were some of these chief priests and Pharisees that repented, but there were others who did not. Why? I don't know. But the better question is, why are you one of God's repentant ones? Why did God set you up for success? Why did he plant you in this place? Nourish you, feed you, coddle you at times, ruffle your hair at one moment, spank you on the bottom the next. Why? And why then do you call him father and trust in such a benevolent God as he? And why aren't you and I like Bill, off doing our own thing, and completely disavowing this. I don't have an answer for you. Except the answer that we can only look to, and that's God's grace. When we gather here in this place, we do not gather here as a support group. We do not gather here as, Hi, my name is Mark, and I'm a sinner. And y'all say, hi, Mark, we're sinners too, we're glad you're here, and we support ourselves in our sinfulness or trying to become better people. Because try as you and I might, when we get home tonight, and we sit back in our bed at night and try to mull over the whole day or the week, and we start to wrestle with things that have happened and things that have been said and so on, when we finish that thought, do we finish it saying, my, I have made it a good day today? Or do we finish it saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me. If it's the latter, which most of the time it is, God be praised because of such love for you that He can make you trust in Him with such great faith and that you're not like Bill and walk away. I don't know why. But that's the gift that God has given you. What this place is, really, is a death tomb. It's where you and I come to be crushed like a grain of wheat into dust flour. It's where you and I, it is a resurrection tomb to be raised up by God that we can leave here alive, not damned, forgiven, free, not bound by Satan's chains and our own fears. Joy-filled that God calls us His own. And not trying to justify ourselves, not trying to justify our actions, not trying to explain away to the world and to ourselves or to our family members that we're a pretty good person. This is God's place of putting us to death and raising us to life. 
This is where God does such great things. Why does He draw you back here again? I do not know. Other than the love of God in Christ Jesus. Why does He keep seeking you out in your dirtiness, in your ugliness, in your failures, and in your pompousness and grab you by the scruff of the neck to bring you back here to kill you again and raise you up again? Dust you off and send you back out to play. That's the kind of love God has for you. And it is an amazing thing at which we should step back and say, Wow! These chief priests and Pharisees, I guess my friend Bill even, Adam and Eve before they repented, the people of Israel before they too, and God willing, I do pray that Bill repents someday, that only God can do that work in his heart, that we don't refuse the love of God. And that we look to it and point to it to all good within us. And that we say, Lord, God, be praised that you continually seek me and find me. Clothe me and feed me. One moment, you may only tweak my nose. And the next moment, you may have me in such a headlock that I am suffering and struggling from what you do to me. But God be praised that you love me so much because you don't let go. That is the unanswerable questions as you and I wrestle with things in our life. And the only thing we have upon which we can stand and in which we can be encouraged and find joy in is that we know we are God's child all because of what God has done in us. And there's no other reason than by Christ's good grace and mercy. So when you sit back at night trying to fall asleep as you sort out the day's activities, let your heart and mind rest upon this grace and mercy and be encouraged and find joy there. It's not going to be found anywhere else. It's not going to be in Monday morning quarterbacking. And it won't be in all the would-haves and could-haves and should-haves of your and my past. It's only found in what Paul said. I forget what is behind. I press forward to grab the goal that to which I have been called. Because that's all you and I have. Be at peace. Be encouraged and be joy-filled. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds on Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.